Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Welcome to today's podcast. Our theme for this year's Lent is My Story, helping us all to become more aware of the ways our personal faith stories intersect with God's story in Scripture. Throughout the season of Lent, we're introducing you to members of our First Church family and asking them to tell us a little bit about their stories. My name is Vance Raines. I'm the lead pastor at First Church, and I'm pleased to introduce you today, Casey Tart, and I'm looking forward to our conversation and hearing her story Casey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and ways you are connected and involved at First Church. Thank you for having me. So as Pastor Vance said, I'm Casey Tart. I grew up um, in the Panhandle of Florida, just south of Tallahassee in South Choppy, a bustling metropolis of around 425 people. Um, I moved to Orlando in the fall of 2006 because I had a job opportunity at UCF teaching Spanish, and I have been at UCF since then. Um, Met my husband, Lawrence, here in Orlando and got married, and I have a beautiful daughter, thanks to that union, um, that came as a buy one, get one with the marriage, and since then have had... um, a son, Marlo, who's almost nine, who a lot of you know. And as far as what I do at First Church, um, I've been involved in the Children's Leadership Council for several years and have been um, teaching Sunday school basically since Marlo was able to attend. So I started with the preschoolers and kind of have moved up and taught at all all levels Sunday school, and I really enjoy that. Um, I was on the worship committee for a little while, um, I've served as a greeter now for a long time, um, as a communion mm-hmm. server, setter upper, right, right. <laughs> and most recently have um, become the lay leader for the church. Just a few things. Just a few things. Yeah, I can usher too if, it, if it, there's an emergency. <laughs> Well, speaking of ushering, so this interview is about you, but we should acknowledge that Marlo is our most famous, most dedicated usher of all. So, yes, he is yeah. so excited about in-person services so that he can get back on the list again yep. to yeah. usher. He does a great job with that. <laughs> so how about how about we start just how did how did your spiritual journey get started? And just as you look back, what were some of the key moments? Um, I don't really remember not being at church. Mm. Um, we moved from Crawfordville, which is just north of Sopchoppy, mm-hmm. to Sopchoppy when I was around three. And my mother and her brother had attended the Methodist church. My grandparents did not attend church, but they took my uncle and my mother So I did a short stint in Crawfordville as a Baptist because my dad had attended the Baptist church there. And then we have been in the um, Methodist church in South Choppy since then. So I grew up there and was really involved with the youth. And it was such a good experience. And we would take trips to Orlando 
um, with our youth group. And it was just such a, those trips were so meaningful to me because, you know, I was with my friends and these ladies who led our youth group were so kind and open and just really taught us a lot of things about the Bible and about life and just, and more than what they told us showed us, you know, through the way they lived, kind of what kind of person you were supposed to be and how to live out your faith. Um, And when I was in high school, like end of high school, beginning college, um, Reverend Bob Laidlaw and his wife, Tracy, were assigned to our church. And that's when I really feel like things just took off for me. Mm -hmm. And we did Bible studies. And it's kind of funny because I would be like in the Bible studies, but I was, you know, late teens, early 20s. And it was like me and a lot of older people, you know, in their 70s and 80s. But I, I don't know. One of the things that's really important to me just in life in general is kind of wisdom and the, and the wisdom that people can offer to me. And so that was really, really precious to me too. And so um, I still have a really close relationship with him. And um, so that, you know, has kind of been my path. And then when I moved to Orlando, it was kind of like, well, what now what, now what, and where am I going to go? And I remembered that on a youth trip, First Church allowed us to sleep in the lighthouse in our sleeping bags. Right. And stay there. And so um, I showed up <laughs> and haven't left. Yeah, good. Well, we're glad, glad for that, uh, <laughs> that, that youth trip that brought you yes. into our So building. we were sheltered. And we never saw a soul. There was nobody at the church. I don't even remember how we got in. It was just almost like the door was unlocked. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep, yep. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask you about were, you know, who are some of your your heroes, your role models spiritually? And you've already mentioned the Laidlaws and the women who are the youth leaders um, and and talked about wisdom uh, as being a big deal for you. I I just wonder if if, if anything more you'd want to tell us about them or any other heroes come to mind for you, role model kind of people. Well, I just remember that you know, so we had one youth leader was Miss Gloria, Miss Gloria Fawnen, and she was like the tough one. And when she told you to do something, you better do it. And, you know, that was, but then we had Miss Becky, Miss Becky Harden, and she was like the sweet, not that Miss Gloria wasn't sweet, but Miss Becky was really sweet and, you know, never raised her voice and never, you know what I mean? So we kind of, you know, when you're a kid, like you, you kind of jockey back and forth, but um, just to think that someone or these two people could love us all so much. It was like, we were, you know, their kids too. And that, you know, both of them have passed away now, but I just remember, like I have such fond memories of the two of them. And then another one for me is, um, I mean, I'm trying to think, like she just passed away in December and she was like 96, but she was like my great, great, great aunt like Mm -hmm. on my grandmother's side, our aunt Nellie Faye. And I just, every time you were around her, there was just this peace. And she was so devoted to 
her religion. She was Pentecostal, so devoted to her religion and just so in tune. I felt like and feel like with God. And so I guess when I was a little kid, I was always sort of in awe of her. But then as I got older and I really listened to her and would visit with her and would look forward, you know, to seeing her, um, I realized, you know, how, like, that's kind of how I want to be. I have a long way to go. Like, hopefully I have 96 years to try to get there, but just anything that happened, whether it was wonderful or tragic or whatever, she just was always praising God for there's no other way to say it. I mean, I can remember good things happened in the family and she was so happy and, Oh, and she, thank you, Jesus, you know, and then somebody would die, but it was the same thing. And she was like, Oh, thank God. And then they've gone, you know, to be with the Lord. And I was like, they're dead. You know, like I'm thinking this is so sad, but now as an adult, I'm like, how can you, like, I want to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Well, you're well on your way. That's a good aspiration. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned being from Crawfordville and Sopchoppy. Um, when I was in seminary, we used to uh, um, joke with each other that Sopchoppy was where the bishop was going to send us. Um, I know Sopchoppy because of my time in Tallahassee. Uh, it's a little smaller than Orlando. Um, a little smaller. A little smaller, maybe a little more rural. Um, so, I mean, I mean, honestly, a lot of ways, Sopchoppy is sort of that, uh, that uh, if there is such a thing, stereotypical kind of country church. Um, yes, uh, totally. That's accurate, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, very different than First Church Orlando, downtown Orlando. Uh, yes. I, I, it was probably more like a threat if they were saying they were going to send you there. Like, you well, better be good or you're going to have to go to Sopchoppy. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> not if not if they send Bob Layla. I think a lot of them. It's true. Um, but I, I wonder about like how uh, how that kind of small church, country church environment shaped you spiritually. What what did you what do you think you gained from that experience? I think um because I didn't have only two parents. Mm. Everybody to, we always, you know, I couldn't wait, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, you're in, you're there and you're appreciating, I guess, whatever, while you're there. But then there's that part of you that's like, get me out of here, you know? And part of it was just knowing that you were being watched all the time (laughs) and you couldn't do anything. And people tease me now and they're like, why don't you have any social media? And I was like, because I lived social media. I don't want people looking at me. That happened my whole entire life until I could get away. You know, I don't want people to know what I'm doing. Um, But just to to know, not only from from that aspect, to like know people were watching and you were going to get corrected um, or your parents were going to get told that you did something wrong before you knew that you did something wrong, but also from the other side and just knowing that it wasn't just your parents that cared about you and cared about your development and, you know, your, the way you were growing up or, I mean, I can remember leaving church on Sunday and walking with friends to their grandmother's house, to Miss Faye's house, which was just, you know, maybe let's say like three or four doors down from church and sitting on her porch and swinging on her swing and having cake. And, you know, then when your parents would drive by after they finished talking at church, then you would get picked up. So I think that is, you know, 
one of the things that I love and loved about attending the church that I did. And also, Stop Choppy is so small, but we have about 10 churches mm. of all different denominations. And so there's, I mean, there were like, we probably have more churches per capita <laughs> than like maybe anywhere else around. And so people are like, well, where, you know, where is the membership? How do you divide for, there only be 40 people in church, but people came from other places, right? you know, to attend church in in Sop Choppy, whichever church it was. And so we were on, on Faith Avenue. The Methodist church was on one corner and the Baptist church was on the other corner. And so that too, just crossing the street. I mean, you let out at about the same time. And, you know, there were, there were people that I would cross the street to talk to or people that would cross the street to talk to us. So that was, you know, I liked that a few, a few years ago, because Marlo just kind of goes and I know that, and I just feel that there are people watching him. And so if he were to get into trouble, but then it occurred to me one day that there are big giant double doors out to four really busy streets mm-hmm. in downtown Orlando. And I thought maybe I need to talk to him and say like, you know, that you're not supposed to go, you know, go outside or go. And he said, of course I know that, but it had never occurred to me, I guess maybe because of my experience that I needed to say, right that he needed to do something different or think in a different way. Yeah. 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 It sounds, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you, you really experienced what Christian community is supposed to be of being known and loved and nurtured and kind of accepted for who you are. And well, and we teased that like, that was our social life. I mean, our parents were, you know, we tease them now and we're like, y'all are trying to get rid of us. We went to every Bible school that there was. Right. You know, not just like Methodist, like whatever. And then as I got older, I realized that the adults in the churches were staggering the weeks. And that was why is so that, you know, I mean, because they're like, okay, and now you're going to do this week and we're going to do the next week. And then we're all, you know, right. so that we were all like, you're going to Bible school. And it's like, we've been in Bible school for two months. Like, <laughs> right. Right. They became the babysitters for the summer. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, they tricked you. They, they, you exactly. <laughs> right. Well, the other, you know, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about uh, is uh, you and I both share a love for uh, Latin culture. You're a you're a Spanish professor, and uh, even as we the folks listening can't see it, but even as we speak, you have a background from behind you from Cuba. Yeah. I, you know, I I this may sound like a strange question, and I don't know if you have an answer for it or not, but I wonder, I wonder how your, your mastery of the Spanish language and your love for Latin culture, I wonder how that has influenced you spiritually. And if it, if in any way, if it's um, changed, expanded, shifted your kind of understanding of who God is. Um, Expanded, I think. I am really interested in all religions. And I think sometimes people um, kind of, not everyone, but I think sometimes people kind of shy away from that or kind of push that away because they feel like maybe they're not being true to what they believe. But sometimes, you know, and I have found that it, it sort of better informs me of my beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, lived in Mexico and lived in Panama and visited Cuba many, many times. And um, 
I call them my Cuban family. It's the family that I always stay with. They were very involved in the Episcopal church. Mm-hmm. And I actually went to Cuba the first time with the Episcopal diocese of mm. Florida. Um, it was a way to go and it was considered a mission trip. Um, and I asked if I needed to be Episcopalian and my professor said, no, just mission minded, which kind of meant do what I say, right. which, you know, I could do that to be able to see Cuba because how else was I going to go in the year 2000? It wasn't that easy. Um, and so I went and I just remember attending their services and we helped them building um, a church. And it was really funny because we worked a couple of days, but then there was nothing else to do. And I said, well, are we done? And they said, yeah, because we ran out of materials right. because it's so difficult, you know. And so the rest of the time we just spent kind of fellowshipping with these people and in their homes and getting to know them and hearing their stories. And so I think that, you know, it, I have learned a lot and, and, and enjoy I think it helped me too, because I come from a really traditional, um, it's stop choppy still super traditional. So I come from a really traditional kind of, I don't know what you would call it. What do we call it? Kind of you're talking about like kind of traditional formal worship. Yeah, like formal worship. Yeah. And so um that's you know, it was really a different experience in all of these other places in Latin culture. And I even, I mean, when I lived in Panama, the closest church was a Catholic church. And so I attended the Catholic church because I could walk there. So, you know, and I'm not Catholic and didn't even really know a lot about it, but I thought, well, okay, you know, these people, (laughs) we've been God and love Jesus too. And so it has, I think it has helped me a lot to kind of learn how to assimilate or fit in in other cultures in a lot of ways, but um, I think going to their church and trying to appreciate their faith and the way they worship and kind of the things they do helps almost as much as eating the food that they put in front of you. Does. Right. Yeah. So like the two main, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned before we started recording that you even expose your students to some of the uh, Afro uh, Caribbean religions that we may not be as familiar with. Well, and a lot, and those are syncretic, you know, syncretic religions that combine the, you know, the African religions with Catholicism in the case of, of many of them. Um, And I actually had my students do an assignment last Friday where they had to visit a botanica, which, you know, they sell religious iconography and things like that. And, you know, I, I always offer my students really, no matter what the assignment is, I offer them kind of a a, options, but especially for this one, I said, you know, if there's some reason, you know, maybe due to COVID or maybe due, and I had a student write to me and say, I feel really, really uncomfortable with this assignment because of my faith. And so I would never say, okay, well, zero. So I said, well, how, how could you approach this in another way? And he said, well, when my family, he's Cuban. Well, when my family first came from Cuba, I remember there was a season of my mother's life where she would go, you know, to these botanicas. So maybe I could talk to her about why, because he was a child and he can remember being taken to them, but he didn't remember why. Mm -hmm. And so I said, perfect. And so then we're getting the class and myself, we're getting another kind of perspective and so I don't know I'm always I think it's important to like I don't think you can fully understand um a group of people or another culture without 
really exposing yourself to to everything. And sometimes it is uncomfortable. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. Similarly, when I'm in Guatemala, there's the there's the syncretism between Catholicism and Mayan practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and some of my students just, you know, have in the past have said, oh, that, that's just wrong, you know, the mm-hmm. blending. But but sometimes we're reminded that maybe our our own practices aren't as neat and tidy and pure as we think. Yes, um, that's true. An opportunity to be confronted and stretched a little bit. Yeah, well, and I always enjoy seeing, like, especially in Central and South America, the cathedrals where they used the natives to build them and they... Yeah carve their own gods and goddesses into yeah. the facades of the cathedral. Yeah. yeah. Like, ah. Oops, I'd like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so if, if, if Casey were to use some words to describe God, what, what words do you use? God, who is God to you? Loving above all. Mm. Um, and I think people... I don't understand why people don't like the Old Testament mm. and why that like upsets them because I don't know when I read it, I'm, I feel like <laughs> maybe he was just a disappointed parent, but he's still giving you all these chances. You know, it's clear that he loved his people and he's making another way and making another way, you know, so loving and forgiving would follow um, that up because and that's important to me because I feel like, you know, I don't know. I read somewhere how many decisions you make in a day, everybody, you know, from what to eat to what to wear and then some larger than others. And I think like, God, I make some bad decisions <laughs> every day, but then to have the ability to, to have that taken away is really important to me. Um, and, and could possibly be because I struggle with perfectionism and I've gotten a lot better since I've gotten older but you know as a a teenager and a young adult it was diff it was difficult for me um I think you saw me one time like one Sunday morning and you're like are you okay and I said I can't I just sometimes I just can't be perfect and you were like yep I just walked away because you knew like this human being okay I asked and she said it and now she's going to get it together, or at least that's how I felt, but you know, it's still, still there, but to know that I don't have to be perfect because he was perfect is a huge relief, but it took a while for me to get there. And what, and what got you there? What, what was it that helped you learn that? Well, conversations that I had with Bob Laidlaw, and maybe that's why he's so dear to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just time, I think, too. And also reading the Bible helped with that mm-hmm. as well. Like seeing it in print. I mean, I like to read, but I would say, like, I probably didn't read the Bible a lot, a lot, a lot when I was, you know, I kind of did when I had to or when we were doing Sunday school or when I was doing a Bible study or when I was. But it wasn't like I was reading the Bible every day and still sometimes I miss a day but I just try every day to just to open it and read something or to try to even just remember something that I read you know and have it kind of present Mm -hmm. I saw somewhere recently like you don't have to have all the answers you just have to know what's true and even if you can just remember like two truths about God in that moment like that's all you need to hang on to is like the truth you know you don't have to explain it 
Yeah, yeah, right, absolutely. That's good. Most of the folks listening to this don't don't know Bob Layla. Um, Bob has a. That's uh, another uh, podcast. That's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, deep, deeply spiritual man uh, who uh, has a has a great Southern accent. I was going to say that soothing accent. Yeah. And he, and, and he always pauses at the perfect yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could just I could just as you were talking, I could just hear him saying. Uh, Casey, don't you know God loves you just the way you are? And yeah, and, oh, true. and when he says it, you have to believe it because you have to. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Casey, how do you um, how do you nurture your spirit? How do you keep your soul healthy and full? Um, <laughs> I like to sing hymns at the top of my lungs hmm. <laughs> in my house. My family probably doesn't appreciate it that much. Um, And I, with a group of ladies a little over a year ago, started, I didn't start it. A friend started it. And now I'm somehow helping to lead it. I mean, we kind of switch around, but a Bible study and we don't miss, like we don't miss a week and we don't take time off between studies. And we don't, I mean, we, we end a study and then the very next week we meet and we decide what the next thing is that we're going to do. And so that's kind of currently um, one of the ways that I'm doing it is, and to have that community is really important. Um, And to be able to talk about, you know, what we read and what we studied, because sometimes you read things, but it's like just you and to hear somebody else's perspective is really nice. I like to, I I talk a lot, but I like to listen a lot too. Mm -hmm. Um, So that most recently has really, has really helped. Um, And I like to be outside. So I think I was just, some of the questions in the Linton journal just this week kind of implied, like, how do you get with God, if you will? And so that's, that is one way that I do is just being outside. And it might have a lot to do with the way I grew up because we couldn't even see another house from my house. Mm. So that's what we were surrounded with. And so I just, you know, it was, it's always hard for me when people are like, you know, it just happened. And I'm like, but look at how detailed it is. And that was another thing that we talked about in our Bible study this week. Like God is detail oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can appreciate because I'm pretty detail oriented too. And so I'm like, this is, you know, so being surrounded by nature all the time and just seeing how it kind of all works together and how it does work together, even now when I'm outside or in nature, yeah. that helps me, you know, feel, feel close. Yeah. That's great. So maybe this is a hard question. We could end with this one. Okay. Uh, what, what's the question I didn't ask? Like what's, what's something that like for people really understand uh, who Casey is spiritually and who Casey is in relationship with God? Like what's, What's the one thing I didn't ask that people ought to know? I think maybe how I struggle. Mm. That I have a tendency to be really self-reliant. Mm. And that was the way that I was raised. And so to relinquish control and not just think that, and to think that I can rely on him and not always rely on myself mm-hmm. is, is a difficult concept for me. Because, you know, in one year my dad was 
quoting scripture and giving us all this like life advice. And later I grew up and I was like, Oh, that's in the Bible. Like, did he even know that? Or is he just saying what his mom said? You know what I mean? Or, you know, but, but I think it's, I think it's that. And, and then in the other ear, him telling us and, and my mom too, like, you have to do your best and you might as well not do it if you're not going to. And you have to be like this and nobody's going to do it for you. And, you know, yeah. yeah, you're a woman. And so you have to do more sometimes and you're from Stop Choppy and people are going to think that you're an ignorant hick. And you know what I mean? Like you have to. So I think for me, like letting go of the bootstraps sometimes. Right. Like I don't always, I don't always have to pull myself up. Like someone else can too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I should be allowing God to do it. Right. And it's I would a daily, do a daily practice though, isn't it? The yeah. Surrendering so, that and then surrendering yes. it again tomorrow. Yeah. And again, the next day. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. So, I mean, we're all, we're all a work in progress, aren't we? Yes. And, uh, that 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 someone like you can admit that and um, share that openly is 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 meaningful to everyone. And that's just the biggest one. There are others. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. Like I said, we're all working progress. Right. Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, Casey, thank you so much for sharing this time with me and this great conversation. Thanks for sharing your story with with everyone who's going to be listening. I know. I know. I have been, and I know our listeners are going to be blessed by it. Uh, and to those who are listening to us today, uh, I know you must have enjoyed this conversation with Casey. I hope you'll keep listening uh, to some of the other conversations we've having, we're having with uh, friends from First Church. Casey, thanks for being with me today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.